And my life's purpose is to give people the resources and information they need to live a better life, whether it's in nutrition or climbing training or whatever. Like that's what I want to do. And I feel like I have found a perfect, perfect outlet for that with training data. That's Neely Quinn, our guest on today's episode of Subscription Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Eric Turnison. Neely is the founder of trainingbeta.com, a membership site dedicated to providing training programs and nutrition consulting for rock climbers. Now, growing an audience of fans is important to any business. And if you're interested in content creation, growing an audience, and converting that audience into paying customers, then you'll want to stick around. Neely has had amazing success in these areas, and she shares with us how she's accomplished this. And before you get overwhelmed about hearing more strategies you need to implement, let me assure you that Neely's approach will meet you where you're at. One of the things that I really appreciate about Neely is that she brings her personality to the business rather than trying to change herself to suit the business. As a result, her strategies center around identifying personal strengths and weaknesses and then going from there. I really appreciate you being here. Now let's get to the episode. So hey, Neely, welcome to the show. Hi, Eric. Thanks for having me. Oh, yes. My pleasure. So it's my understanding you just took a trip out to Wyoming, right? I did. I went to Ten Sleep, Wyoming, and I went climbing for two weeks. And how was that? It was fantastic. I achieved all of my goals and had fun with my girlfriends. Nice. And what was one of your major goals for that trip? Oh, well, this is going to mean nothing to you, <laughs> to your listeners. I just wanted to climb this one climb um, that I had tried years ago. And then I wanted to do a bunch of other things that were a little bit easier than it, but more quickly than I normally do. And I, I did all of those things. So Awesome. And what was the rating on that climb that you wanted to really do? Um, it was a 513A. This is kind of getting now into uh, your business, right? You You train do training for rock climbing and things like that. So how did you originally get into rock climbing? Oh, um, I moved out to Sequoia National Park after my freshman year of college from Wisconsin. And my I met a guy there and he introduced me to climbing. And I went back to Wisconsin and kept climbing in the gym. And I have not stopped since then. No, that's awesome. Yeah. And at what point did you realize that you wanted to do something in terms of a business with your climbing? Well, it wasn't until around 2012, really. Um, I realized that I could do something with it. And yeah, I had like the background I felt like to do it. And so I found a a need in the climbing community for really easy to use climbing training programs because I was trying to figure it out myself. I was like, I need to train. And I looked online and I read books and I just got really confused. And so I was like, somebody, I just wish somebody would have a website that just had something that was really step-by-step and really easy easy to to read and use. And so that's kind of why we started training beta. Right. So, and, and at that time when you kind of recognized that there, the need was there, did you have any technical experience in, in creating what you ultimately ended up creating? Yes. So I had worked for, well, I was working currently for a company called paleoplan.com. Okay. Yeah, I know them. They were a customer member of us. And that's why we came to you guys too, was because I had experience with you guys through Paleo Plan. And so I watched, um, Jason Glaspie was my boss there and he owned the company. And um, I watched him, you know, create this subscription program for people wanting to eat paleo. And so it was a meal plan and I, I helped manage it and I helped create it. He put it together, like he had the initial idea, um, and then I came on after that. So I, I saw how it could work right. and how it can be like a very sustainable income having a subscription program. And so that was our main goal when we first started Trading Beta was to have both, you know, a, pro, a program and products that were really helpful for our people, but also something that was like very um predictable income for us. 
Right. So that was kind of like an internship for you or like a, a mini MBA program. You yeah. got to like get a firsthand glimpse. And I, I think that's the best way to learn. I mean, you know, you can go to school for two years, but it's ultimately uh, the practical application of something that helps you actually accomplish it if you want to go do it yourself. Yeah, exactly. It was super, I was very, very fortunate to have that and, and to have an inside view behind the scenes of what, what really went on at Paleo Plan. Now, I'm, I'm really excited to have this talk with you today because, and I'm going to get my notebook out and my pencil and take notes because, uh, you know, in talking to you um, a couple weeks ago, one of the things that you mentioned that you focused a lot on and um, uh, had the most success in was building your audience. And that's something that I find is generally important when you're growing a business. And it's something that we're really focusing on here now at Member Mouse. And so this is the thing that I really want to dive into you on and get into because um, you've done a really great job with it. I mean, your, your site has grown rapidly. You've got tons of great content on there. You've got a thriving community. So you're obviously uh, doing something correct. Um, Thank you. Yes. Um, and so, you know, going back to what you just said, you, you guys started with a plan. You, you came to it day one. And you're like, okay, this is our objective. You know, what were some of the first things that you did to get everything up and running? Um, I did all of the design work on the website which I'm not a designer and I know it's not great, but um, so that was like a huge part of it was just getting it designed and up. And then after that, it was about creating content. So I would create stuff. My husband created, you know, blog posts. we started to do videos. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the end goal was to create these training programs and I'm not a trainer. My husband's not a trainer. And so we had to outsource that. So that was part of the, you know, the issue too is like who is going to create these training programs that I trust and I want to have a business partnership with. Do you have the training programs from early on? Do I have them? No. Where did you, had you created the training programs early on? No, I, well, the first training program I think I started the site in 2012 and the first training program was on the site by 2013. Okay. And in the meantime, in that year, you were basically just like, you know, getting things up and, and you launched, like you, you had launched, but after you launched in between getting your first training program, was it focusing on content creation and certain things like that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just so people know who are listening, the the site is trainingbeta.com and this will be in the the show notes. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking at the site, I mean, yes, it's not, um, it's not an award winning design, but I think that's important to note, you know, because this hasn't gotten in the way of your success. The fact of how this site looks hasn't gotten in the way of success, which, which I think is important for people to understand because, you know, I've seen people get tied up in trying to mimic some site that they like and thinking that they need to spend $5,000, $10,000 getting an amazing looking site. They think it's about the looks, but ultimately it's about the value. And the fact is you have so much content on this site, you know, um, and obviously you've built it over time. But like you said, when you started, your objective was to offer that value, to build that content and, as a, and have a, have a uh, what did you say, a predictable income. Mm-hmm. or sustainable, uh, reliable income. And the way you do that is by building a community that wants to follow you. You're giving them something, access to something that they can't get themselves. Um, and so the design is, it's functional. Like everything's very clear. And that's what's important about the design, I think. Yeah, I think that that has been the priority is just everything. I'm a very straight to the point kind of person. I just want to get the point across very clearly. And so that's been the priority is just like, can people read this clearly? Is there too much junk in the way? No. Okay. Then that's okay for now. Now, when you first were creating your content, putting it out there, 
what kind of response were you getting? And then how did you adjust, make adjustments to move things forward and grow? Well, I mean, I was sort of surprised by the response that we did get. Cause so I would write things about nutrition or about my own training or, and my husband would do the same about training in general, just blog posts. And then we would put them out on our Facebook page mm-hmm. and we would boost them so that we would, you know, gain more, more. And that's a part of the Facebook ads. Yeah. Yeah. We, and that was something that we did from the very beginning. We also boosted ads to get more people to like our page so that they would be seeing our stuff. And that was huge because we now have, I mean, it's not huge, but we have like over 35,000 people on our Facebook page, which is helpful, but you still have to pay. So anyway, we would pay to get all of these blog posts out there. And I think people were just really hungry for this information. We got in at a time when training was sort of just like this thing that you didn't, I don't know, not many people were taking that seriously. and it just blew up in the last five years. And we, I think just got in at the right time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, there's even, uh, I was in Portland and there was a couple of gyms, rock climbing gyms there already. And then another one being added. Uh, so it's just a hobby and a, and a sport and uh, that people are really um, getting into. I mean, I think a lot of things like mountain biking people, I don't know why, but uh, yeah, stuff like that's blown up. Yeah, it is. And it, it's the, yeah, the climbing community is getting bigger. And so by virtue of that, obviously our audience is going to grow, but also just like people are very interested in getting better at climbing and that requires training. And so, yeah, we got, we, we had a good idea at the right time, I think. Yeah. And, and so I think that that's really key, um, you know, that you guys did that Facebook, the boosting, and because one of the hardest things to do, especially with a new project, is getting that momentum, getting the ball rolling, uh, getting critical mass. Um, because once you get enough people interested and if you're providing good content, people will grow it themselves in a way. So um, that seems like it was a really important part of your strategy. But of course, you had to deliver too, right? Like you, you couldn't just um, pay for that and have you know, nothing of value on the other end. Right. Yeah. Um, was that, was that just something you naturally were able to accomplish based on both of your backgrounds or did you make, did you, uh, end up course correcting, making adjustments based on feedback with, with the way that you were uh, drafting your content? Well, we're still, so at a certain point I, I realized that I couldn't do everything myself. Like, you know how it is. You yeah. There are a million things that you can be doing. And I was trying to create content and I wasn't getting very much out there because I had so much to do. So I ended up hiring a content manager. And during the last four years, we've definitely um, evolved what we're putting out there because for a while we were just putting out, like we would find good training resources that somebody else had created or like posts or articles or whatever. And we would, summarize them on our own blog post because or on our own blog because the right. one of the main points was to have all of the best training information in one site. And so that was one of the ways that we could do that. But now like we do blog posts that are just about transcript like I transcribe all of my podcasts and so sometimes we'll put transcription highlights up. We'll, we hire out writers from the community um, about training, like their own training experiences. We, we, we do all kinds of things now. And so we, we really did have to listen to people about like what they wanted. And how'd um, you do that? And what were the uh, approaches you took in terms of uh, how to listen well, you know, you get emails from people, you get Facebook messages from people. You sometimes people would post on Facebook about our posts that, you know, like what they wanted to be different about it or whatever. And sometimes you want to blow these things off, but most of the time you I mean, I try to listen. Sure. I I want to give people what they want. Like I'm my whole 
I don't know my approach. Like I said, I'm very to the point and I'm like a very honest person. And so I want my, I want my website to be very authentic and useful for people. And so if I'm not making it useful, then there's really no point for me to do it because that's like shameful for me almost. (laughs) So so yeah, I just want to have really high quality content. Now, I'd like to dive into an individual content story for a bit because I think that this is really important to the audience building. I mean, I think, you know, um, I'm on this arc and this interest in getting from you how you built the audience, but... I think that content and your approach to it is is powering that engine. And so I'd like to hear more about, you know, what are the strategies that you employ for producing content? You mentioned a couple of them. You repurpose blog posts, sorry, podcasts. Mm-hmm. And then you also uh, reach out to members of the community who have something of value and you ask and you, you pay them to produce uh, yes. a blog post or something. Are there other methods that you use for producing content? Yeah. So my content manager, his name is Matt Pincus and he, he is an avid climber and trainer and he actually trains people. And so now I ask him as part of his job to write on a regular basis because he's a good writer as well. So that was kind of my job at Paleo Plan. So he's kind of becoming me when I was at Paleo Plan. I would, I would write, you know, several articles every week. I would interview people. I would. um, But so for that, yes, I'll have him write articles. I'll, I'll just reach out to friends or people who I've interviewed and ask them, will you write up your story? I'll have people write in and tell me about their training program. And I'll ask them for a few more details and ask them if I can publish it. Because I'll just get these random emails from people who are like, I'm so psyched and this is what I've been doing. And I'm like, this is great content. Sometimes I'll have people ask a question um, and I'll write an email back to them as an answer. And I'll just use that as a blog post, like a Q&A, a quick Q&A. Um, and then other than that, it's just people's stories, trainers' stories. Sometimes I'll have you know practitioners on yoga practitioners, PTs. There's a lot of injury prevention stuff on our site too. It's, it is really branched from training for climbing to like not being injured for climbing. <laughs> right. And, and that must've been something that you were hearing, right? That your yes. audience was telling you. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I knew that they loved it because with the podcast, I can tell who's listening to what. And some of like three of the most popular podcasts were with a a physical therapist who was talking about injuries. So I knew that that's what people wanted. That's great. And and so um, in terms of your overall audience building strategy, what part do you think that your content creation efforts play in that? What percentage of the overall strategy? Well, looking at my stats right now, I think it's like 75% of my traffic is from organic searches. So, I mean, we've put a lot of work into having proper SEO on the site, having keywords that are repeated in, in articles. And I really do think that makes a huge difference. I think that having, that's why I started transcribing was so that people could find these interviews more easily. And so I pay somebody, you know, like a, not that much to transcribe every podcast episode, which is like pages and pages of, right. of content, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that's been super helpful too. And what are some of the top SEO strategies? Like when you're reviewing, uh, I imagine uh, either are you or uh, was uh, Matt, Matt, yeah. Uh, reviews like if you have guest writers or or somebody else producing the content do you have a process of reviewing that for strategic things in regards to seo and if so what are the things you're looking for before you post and get it live to maximize the value of that content well okay so i'm not super good at that but we use the plugin um i'm trying to find it right now but we use a plugin for SEO and it basically just makes us check boxes and write certain things in the proper places. And then that sort of takes care of it for us. We either get 
we either get a green light, a yellow light, or a red light on it, and then we know if we've done a good or bad job. So oh, we use Yoast. Yoast, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And we'll put that in the show notes for people. So what is what's the remaining twenty five percent then? If if seventy five percent of it is content creation, it's Facebook. Okay. It's links from Facebook and other social media, and somehow, so Facebook is definitely number one, and then I think it might be Reddit, which we've done nothing with Reddit. That was just completely organic with other people talking about us, and then. Instagram has become really big now too. And I'm a little bit scared of Facebook and where it's going. And like, I don't trust that it's going to be our main source of uh, social media traffic for very long. So I actually hired somebody to just do my Instagram. What are the, what are some of the things you're seeing there that make you concerned about the future with, with Facebook? Uh, I, it's just that, you have to pay so much more to have your readers or the people who like your page actually see your stuff. And people have disengaged with Facebook a lot at this point. Like a lot of my friends just don't even use it. I feel like it's yeah, I don't use kind of a, yeah, it's like kind of a generational thing. And the younger kids are only using Instagram and other platforms. And so it's just like this, people just don't like it as much because there are so many ads and all this. Right. Well, Instagram is Facebook. Yes, for so. sure. But people like it more for whatever reason. It just seems like more, a little bit more authentic for some reason. And so we've been trying to, we've had to completely change our approach to using social media as a means to getting people over to our site using Instagram. It has to be like a way more authentic post um, instead of just ads. Yeah, let's let's go into that because um, I, I agree with you, and I think um, for me personally, yeah, you can I can smell a mile away if I'm dealing with some like marketing team, right? Or I'm dealing with a person, right? That I I like. What are the kinds of things you're doing there? Because it's 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 such a weird thing, right? Because authenticity, you don't want to start talking about strategy, but at the same time, I think that there's this mix between the right side and the left side of the brain. Like you, if you're doing one-on-one with somebody, like no problem, you're just authentic, you're who you are. But as soon as you want to start talking about tapping into you, who you are and your authenticity and getting it out there, there's there's a conversation that happens and 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 sometimes that conversation can lead you away from authenticity. So you know, you can go down the wrong direction. You can make it too mechanical. Yeah. So how do you play with that balance? What are you guys doing? Well, first of all, I will say that I am terrible on social media. I don't like it. I don't, I'm not on it. I'm only on it for my business. And even then I'm just watching what my people are putting out there for me. Um, So I know that if I were to be in charge of my Instagram or Facebook, we would do terribly. So, yeah. so that was the first thing that I had to just be okay with. And, and so then what I did was I found um, a friend of mine who has her own pretty big following. If she has like 13,000 followers or 10, whatever, 10,000 followers on Instagram, just for her own climbing. And she has this way of speaking to people that people really connect with and enjoy. And so I asked her to do our Instagram. And so she has all these ideas. So my, my main point is get somebody who knows what they're doing and who is 24 years old and knows right. how to speak that generation's language. Well, who's interested in it? Who's right. enthusiastic exactly. about it? Exactly, yeah. That enthusiasm, I think, is the indicator that it's the right fit. Because, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm the same as you, like... Um, I could care less about social media in terms of engaging it with myself and doing it, but I recognize it's also super important. And just because I'm not interested in it just doesn't mean that somebody else isn't and somebody else could do it. Right. Um, and I think, you know, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about, you know, your journey with the content creation is like as a entrepreneur and a business builder, you have to learn to let go of the things as you move forward you have to outsource it because there's only so much a single person can do yeah and if you try to do everything yourself 
you're you're not going to be able to and you're going to naturally steer away from those things that you aren't comfortable with um but it doesn't mean we have to be comfortable with them it means that you know we can find people who are to do them yeah exactly so she's just found different ways to engage people you know we put photos up that are nice to look at and we pay photographers to give us photos um, which I think is really important to be, you know, obviously you need to be fair to photographers out there. And then um, she writes something about training or about an article that we've recently put up and she links to them in our bio. And so that has really helped our Instagram um, audience engage with our actual website, which is really awesome. Now, for those people who may have never created content or managed a content strategy of this size. Uh, you know, I know for me before I, I kind of got into the behind the scenes stuff, uh, I naively thought, Oh, this stuff is magic. It just shows up like, Oh, this blog post just got posted today. This guy like woke up this morning and wrote it You know, <laughs> like, but no, like there's a, there's a schedule. Like you plan this stuff in advance. Um, and you've got a schedule looking out for what's going to be produced. You have to organize the resources to do it. So um, I'm guessing that that's, that's Matt's job, correct? He's, he's in charge of that schedule. And do you guys go over that? Yeah, we, we, we make a schedule. It's rough. I'm not like super stringent about when things get published, but we do have, he has a rhythm that he sticks with, with like um, the podcast transcript highlights and you know he'll have a a thing that he does on Mondays and a thing that he does on Tuesdays and and so forth and uh and then we're we're also we have spreadsheets about the different authors that we bring in and when those are going to be published and how often we should have them be published and how how often we can afford to have them be published because we're paying these people to do these things so yeah there is a schedule for sure and how much do you guys consider stats do you look at um, Google Analytics. Do you look at anything in regards to how people are engaging with their content, uh, the metrics, and um, do you determine what you're going to do based on that? We do look at stats for sure, um, but we don't determine what we're going to. We do. I shouldn't say that. Like the the things that we have stuck with now are definitely things that we've looked back on and seeing that people were engaged with them. Um, but it's so hit or miss. And that was even with the paleo blogging stuff that I did, you would write, I would write a blog post and I'd be like, nobody's going to care about this. And then thousands of people would read it and I'd be like, okay, well now I know. <laughs> so <laughs> I, we kind of just go off of what we know is going to work, but also we let ourselves be surprised by, by yeah. other topics. Cause we want it to be very variable. You know, what, what we're talking about. Right. Okay. I want to start to pivot here because, you know, we've talked a lot about your audience building, your content strategy. Um, but at the same time, like you were saying, you have to pay these people. Uh, you have to run the business. You have to, and you're supported by your business. Now you, you, this is supporting your lifestyle, right? So it's something that supports you. It supports other people. So there has to be some profitability to the business. So all those expenses at the very least have to be covered. So uh, there's this whole thing about, okay, you're getting this huge audience now. How do we convert these into paying customers? And this kind of gets back to beginning. You, you know, originally you wanted to do training and you were getting into a little bit about that. So can we talk a little bit about how you started making the business profitable? Yeah, we we partnered with, the first thing we did was partner with a trainer. His name is Chris Peters. And at the time he was a pretty well-known climbing trainer. And we made an ebook with him. And it was just like this six week um, power endurance training program. And we paid somebody to make it into a pretty ebook for us. And then we sold it through Member Mouse as just a product. And it was $39. And I remember the first time we sold one and I got the little email and I was like, oh my God, we're making money. <laughs> <laughs> yes, $39. <laughs> and then we uh, partnered with another trainer to do a different ebook 
And then we did, and then we partnered with some other people who already had eBooks created and we just sold them on our site and gave them. So all of these people are getting a percentage. Right. Um, and then finally we made the first subscription program and now we have two of those and those are definitely our bread and butter. And then, um, we're in the process of creating new ones that are more in line with the current thoughts and theories in training. That's really great. So again, um, like you, I think this is amazing. You're using this strategy of strategic outsourcing and partnership, you know, it's like, um, which is great because you're, you're not putting everything on yourself and you're allowing yourself to be more nimble and move by uh, partnering with these people who are experts who have a place in the community, um, somebody who has something to say of value. Yes, exactly. I mean, I definitely recognize I am not a trainer and these people have a lot of knowledge to give. You know, I, I hear you say a lot of what you are not. So what, you know, what are you then? Okay, so you're not a trainer right? You're not a social media person, you know, like, <laughs> but do, what do you, but you, uh, you are real and straightforward, right? Yeah. Do you consider yourself an entrepreneur? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think by definition, I'm, I have, I'm an entrepreneur, but I mean, I'm also a nutritionist and I haven't talked about that. How does that play a part in it? Yeah. Now I, like I just had two clients this morning. So because I have this wonderfully huge, not huge, but pretty big audience, I have the opportunity to, um, you know, offer my nutrition services to people all over the world. And so I'll have Skype and email, uh, coaching with them. And that's something that I do for, um, part of my income. And then Matt Pincus actually does, personal training online as well. So that's another revenue source for both of us. And, um, but I mean, what I am, I think is that I see like I'm a big picture person and I'm a doer and I, I can follow through with things and I can manage people, um, in a very fair way. And what I wanted this whole thing to do was to be able to support me and some people in the community so that they can live the lifestyle that they want, which is we want to be climbing and we want to be traveling around the world. And that's exactly what I provide for people is like an income so that they can do that and the freedom to have um, their own schedule, which is what I have always wanted. And that's what I have. Yeah. And that's amazing because ultimately uh, doing what we love to do is the thing. I mean, you know, if we're not doing that, then things aren't good yeah exactly yeah and I, I can imagine there's like a personality uh similarity between the fact that you do rock climbing i mean it's, you, uh, i've never done rock climbing actually i did go into a gym once and i was doing bouldering and uh i was completely like you know doing those rookie mistakes where you're like i'm like oh well, like i can climb to the top of this wall but of course i used like 200 percent more energy than i needed to Right. So I could only climb for like 10 minutes, but <laughs> you know, Ed, you realize, Oh, this is about stamina, right? This is about a lot more than just like getting up that wall. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole mental game. There's a whole, yeah, it's a lot of scheming, but I'm sure like it, these are two such big parts of your life, you know, your business and the climbing. I mean, I'm sure that there are lessons learned in one that apply to the other and vice versa. Like you may be on a wall and you'd be like, Oh, like I, I needed to over, like my, my muscles are saying this, but I need to get to that point. Right. And pushing through that. I mean, that's a, that's a, a lesson and an experience that can be applied. Yeah, I think so. And my husband is the opposite of me. Like he's a programmer and he has a job with a big company and like, he likes taking direction from people. He likes having somebody tell him what to do. And when I said to him, I want you to, <laughs> I want you to quit your job and go on the road with me and I will support you doing this thing. He was like, oh my God, are you crazy? That's crazy. <laughs> that's such a huge risk. And for him, that's what this has always been is a risk. And for me, 
I, I feel like I'm an optimist and I think that you have to be as an entrepreneur. Like I knew that this would work. I knew I would, I could make it work. Yeah. An optimist and a little bit naive. Yeah. A little bit crazy. Yeah. Now, uh, how is it working with your partner? I know we have a lot of people who do that. Like a lot of customers, it's a husband, wife team. And I just wonder, you know, what's that like? It was hard. It's, it's hard sometimes. Um, but he, he doesn't really work with me anymore very much. He, he does some back end stuff that I don't really have much to do with. Um, but it is, yeah, it's kind of, it wasn't the greatest thing for our dynamic. Um, but it was all, it also allowed us to be on the road for a, you know, more than a year and have the freedom. So I would not necessarily recommend it to people. (laughs) And I don't know how people like do this for years and years, but we don't do it anymore. We're very separate now, but I did want to say one other thing about, um, what it, what, like what I am. I think that I did some, um, business coaching recently and found out what my life's purpose was. And my life's purpose is to give people the resources and information they need to live a better life. And so that's my purpose, whether it's in nutrition or emotional stuff or climbing training or whatever, like that's what I want to do. And I feel like I have found a perfect, perfect outlet for that with training beta. That's amazing. So coming back to your, your coaching program. So do you have, so we talked a little about, you know, how you get these created, how you're outsourcing that, uh, leveraging other resources. Now, how, what's the approach that you're using to expose these things to people? So people are coming to your site through these different channels, organic search, Facebook, they're coming through your content, they're coming through your podcast. Where and how are you then saying to them, hey, we also have training? Yeah, I think I could be doing a better job of this, to be honest. I'm not, I don't like to be in your face about things. So I put it on the sidebars of the blog. I put it in the bottom of the blog. I have like, you know, a little description of what we do. I have banners. I have... Um, it's obviously at the, in the top menu, but also in the podcast, I'll usually mention it in the beginning of the podcast and at the end. And I have mentioned it in the middle. So I, I used to take ads like sponsors for the podcast. And I realized that it was more worth my time to just use those spots for myself. Right. Um, so that's really big. And I think that the podcast that I know that the podcast is definitely where, um, my biggest audience is for sure. Yeah. We haven't even gotten into that. Um, the podcast. So, uh, yeah. When did you decide to do that as part of your content strategy and and what impact has it played? Well, in the beginning, actually in the very beginning, I started interviewing my friends who are professional climbers because I live in Boulder, Colorado, where they all live, or a lot of them live. And so they're actually my friends. And I was like, well, I'm just going to put some interviews on videos out there of us talking about your training. And then I realized that video is kind of a pain in the butt. And um, I realized that people were more into podcasts. So I started doing the interviews in 2012. And I think my first podcast was out in 2013. Uh, So that's how I start. I just wanted to give people free information and that's what a podcast is. So that's how that started. And then it grew like pretty, pretty quickly. I started out, you know, getting like a thousand downloads or something. And now it's way beyond that. And we've had like millions of downloads in the past five years, which is amazing. And so people, and I think that the biggest thing with that is that it's not the podcast is not about me at all. It's just me interviewing people just like yours um, about different topics. And again, it was like the right time, the right place at the right time. Yeah. I I resonate with a lot of the things that you're saying, um, you know, especially about life purpose. I mean, I think 
Um, I'm in a similar situation, you know, being the, the founder of Member Mouse, we have a huge community of really brilliant entrepreneurs. People are a lot more successful than I personally am. And like you, you know, I'm just happen to be around these people um, and I can put a microphone in front of them and other people can benefit from what they have to say. Right. Um, and that's something that I'm really resonating with now um, and really enjoying. Because you know what, I can see the stats. I can see the stats of people signing up for Member Mouse, and not everybody makes it. You know, like there's a lot of obstacles. Member Mouse, it's not about Member Mouse. I mean, it's about starting a business. There's a lot of obstacles in starting a business. And, you know, if somebody comes to us and they have experience, you know, they know what they're doing, they'll get it right. Member Mouse will support them technically. But there's a lot of people who come and it's their first gig, right? They're just, they have something they want to do. And I feel like conversations like this with people like you who have done it. And also, you know, I think the most brilliant thing about this is the things that I'm hearing is like, you're, you're still yourself. Like you say, Oh, you know, I don't like doing this thing. I didn't do this. I didn't, I could do a better job with marketing my content. But the fact of the matter is you're in the top 10% of all member mouse customers in terms of your success. Oh my. The numbers, you know, the numbers show it. And so th I think the key, one of the keys for, for me and, you know, what listeners can take away is like, you can be yourself, you know, don't, don't be authentic. Like don't think you need to change who you are or copy. There's, there's a lot of emphasis in these business, in the online business about here's the perfect strategy. Here is what you have to do. Here's the launch formula. Here's all these things. And of course, that stuff has value. But what I've come to learn from watching the thousands of customers who have come and gone through Member Mouse, the ones who are successful, the ones who aren't, is that you have to be aligned with your passion and your enthusiasm. And when you do that, people respond to that. Mm -hmm. No questions asked. If you put yourself out there and you share what you're interested in, you will have success, period. I hope so. I, I, yeah, I think so. If you're diligent with it and you just keep trying new yeah. things. And that's the thing. You'll run up to yourself. Even when you're enthusiastic you, you're, and you're excited, you run up into yourself every single day. It's like, yes, you're enthusiastic about climbing a mountain, but that mountain's not going to just magically like go into a, a, an easy slope for you to walk up. <laughs> Right. No. Like you're yeah. climbing that mountain and you, you know, there's a, there's a, an obviousness to the fact that you're climbing a mountain. It's a sheer wall. You could fall off of it. There's some risk involved, right? But you're, but you're putting yourself up against that. And the business is the same way, but it's, it's less tangible. You're not, you don't, people don't look at it that way. They think they may have different ideas. Oh, they think it should be easy. And because it's challenging, this means it's not the right thing for me to do. Right. Yeah. But no, it's I know. Challenging. Yeah. It's that's the point of it, you know. Yeah, and then there's the whole when I first got into this, I was like, I'm going to make millions of dollars. Yeah, we're going to put some echo on that in the editing, by the way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I haven't been as financially successful as I wanted to be, and that's something that really caused me a lot of strife for a while. Like I was really sad about that for a while. And then I was like, also, I work 20 hours a week sometimes, and <laughs> I get to climb whenever I want to climb. And so I think that my, my measuring stick for what success is has definitely changed. Yes. Yeah, I, I had that same journey in the beginning. Yeah, I was a consultant, and I was working two jobs to fund Member Mouse as a bootstrap, bootstrap operation. And in the beginning, it was like my dream board. You know, that was the time of the days of the secret, you know, that, that book. We're yeah. not going to put that in the show notes. Um, <laughs> and, and so I had a dream board. And on that dream board was like a Bentley and taking trips to tropical locations and blah, 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 like a certain type of house. And I don't care about any of that stuff now. You know, it's, it's, it's more the things that are of value uh, are what do you do every day? Are you interested in it? There's only the day you wake up each day, you go to bed each day. And in between those two things, it doesn't matter what you have or where you are, you're there. 
and how you feel about things and how you are with yourself and how you, you know, your outlook on things, it paints the entire perspective. So getting to those points where you are okay with all of those things, you can just do the things you're naturally enjoying, then you made it. I think so. As long as you can, you know, do the things you want to do and feed yourself. Yeah. And maybe even have a husband who makes lots of money to help you out. <laughs> like, right. That's, you know, whatever whatever works. But I'm definitely content with what right. I'm doing. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to take notes on that. I'm secret. I need to find a husband who's going to make, who's going <laughs> to support me and, you know, make lots of money. Uh, yes. We'll put that in the show notes. There you um, go. Okay. So I have a couple final questions. Okay. If you had to do this journey over again, would there be anything that you'd, you would do differently? Oh, that's a good question. Would I do anything differently? Yes. I think I would have been, I probably would have had better boundaries about my partnerships with people. Um, I would have had more firm expectations of them and myself uh, so that I wouldn't have had some of the disappointment that I've had. Can you be like a little bit more clear about that when you say more firm boundaries with your partnerships? Like what's an example? Sure. Yeah. That's extremely vague and like new agey. Um, I, <laughs> I got into a partnership with a certain trainer and he gets a certain amount a percentage from me every month from the sales that we make. And he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't do anything. He literally doesn't do anything at this point, which is fine, but it breeds resentment in me. And so I should have had the foresight to see this coming and put into place a better, something that was more comfortable for me. Um, and that's something that I will do going forward. So I did learn from it, but things like that, I'm just a little bit willy nilly about certain things. Like I just want to have good relationships with people and it's hard for me to be a hard ass sometimes. Or recognize your own value. Like I yeah. think I, I've done that. I've made that mistake too early on and, and I do things differently now. And I think for me, um, how I see that, why the change happened is that I'm like, Oh, you know what? I'm actually I'm bringing value to the table here and it's a, we need to make it a fair opportunity for both people. Like I'm not coming to this person begging them. Like, no, like uh, here's what I bring to the table. I think it's a win-win. Right. But I don't know. I don't need to give away the farm to get this person to exactly. Be involved. Yes, exactly. And um, the second question um, in your business today, what is, what is the biggest challenge you're facing or, or the biggest a growth opportunity, uh, the, the new area that you want to get into? The biggest challenge that I'm facing is honestly <laughs> the biggest challenge that I face in general with this business is that I am so interested in so many different things that it's really hard for me to sit down and do the amount of work that I know I need to do to, to get to the next level. I know that that makes me sound really lazy and maybe that is a word that somebody could use to describe me. I don't think I'm lazy. I think I'm like overly excited <laughs> about all different things. So I don't, I don't think that there's any like specific technological challenge that we have or anything like that. What is the next level in your mind? The next level is like having X more number of members right. and making X more number of dollars and having X more number of podcast listeners and readers. And, you know, like something in my mind that is like really, really respectable. Right. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, you know, the uh, you know, we had a conversation with uh, Martin Wilson in our last podcast, and you know this this comes up frequently in conversations that I have is um, you know there's when you get to a certain level, the technique that you use to get to that level isn't the same technique you can use to get to the next level. 
So it seems like maybe there's a, a shift that needs to happen. Because whatever you've done to get to where you are now, which is an amazing place to be, uh, was done in a, with a certain set of strategies and uh, certain natural aspects of your personality. Um, and, you know, so whatever it's going to take to get to that next stage of the business uh, seems logical to think that, okay, something different has to happen. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, I, I'm in a similar place, you know, like, okay, like we have all this, this success, everything's great, but what's, you know, how to get to the next level. And I, I, f I feel also resonant with the idea of being lazy, you know, like, uh, <laughs> you know, because it's, uh, and I, I think it's just because I'm, I'm just hard on myself. You know, I'm like, oh, I should be doing this or I should. But the fact of the matter is, you know, we're not lazy, obviously. But, you know, one thing uh, you mentioned, a business coach. One thing I've been doing recently is talking to a lot more people who are at the levels, you know, where I'm looking to go. And I feel like there's a magic synergy happening there. Like they're, you know, like, and you know what it is? Like, uh, it's nice to have somebody else to tell me what to do. Yes, it you is. Know, like, it's, it's great running the business and being that guy, but you know, like I also, sometimes I go uh, volunteer at a, at a, a retreat center and I work in the kitchen and it's like one of the most favorite aspects of me doing that is there's all these like older Indian women who run the kitchen and I go in there and I'm not a CEO. I'm nothing. Like they're like, you chop vegetables. And I'm like, <laughs> great. Like this, you wash dishes. I'm like, this is awesome. Like mm -hmm. I, just to do what somebody else tells me to do. Yeah. Yeah. Having a business coach is good in that way for sure. So, but in any event, I, I know you're going to figure it out. Um, but in either way, it's, it's good to recognize that you already kind of have arrived in a sense. And at this point, anything else that comes is gravy. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. There's been a lot of great information here, and I am thankful to have you as a customer, and I wish you the best of success going forward. Yeah, thank you. And it's been an honor. I'm, I'm honored that you asked me to be on the show. So thanks. I appreciate it. A big thank you to Neely for joining us on the show. If you'd like to learn more about Neely and what she's up to, head over to her site at trainingbeta.com. There you'll find her blog, podcast, and more information about her and her team. You can check her out on Facebook and Instagram at Training Beta. To get the show notes for today's episode, you can go to subscriptionentrepreneur.com slash five. That's subscriptionentrepreneur.com slash five. Thanks for listening to today's episode. And if you're interested in hearing more interviews with entrepreneurs and their strategies for success, please subscribe to the show. In the next episode, we'll be talking with Mitch Boulder, founder of Pencil Kings. And in this episode, he'll share with us something very surprising he did to grow his business by 1600%. I hope you can join us.